Hello and welcome to Audio Journeys with Rex and the Beast. This is the Beast in Central Kentucky. On the line with me is Rex in Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to the podcast for RexandTheBeast.com. This is where we have major thoughts on minor matters. And Rex, you know, I don't know if this is a minor matter that we're talking about today because Star Wars Galaxy's Edge has opened at Disneyland Park in California. And uh, there's only one guy that we know to go to if we need information on what the opening was like. And I think you know who I'm talking about. I do. And I am excited about it. Uh, we've had fun watching Seth Kabersky uh, on social media, on Twitter, out for the uh, unofficial guides, uh, giving us some updates on the opening of Galaxy's Edge uh, as that goes along. So, Seth, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It is always a pleasure talking to you guys. Uh, I am still jet lagged. I got back from California at uh, just before 2 a.m. this morning, uh, but uh, there's no one I, w- I would rather share my jet lag with than you two. Oh, that means a lot, man. Seriously. No, Thanks we do. That. We appreciate it. Uh, to jump on right after that, I, 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 we, I contacted you and I was like, I know you got to have some rest coming. And so I was uh, uh, pleasantly surprised that you were uh, available to jump on uh, on this podcast. So, Well, listen, uh, Seth, before, before we get to Galaxy's Edge, man, the first thing we got, we want to talk about major, major matters here. Uh-oh. Uh, do you have any... Uh, any updates on Knights of Terror Force? Anything going on with Raw, Raw, Raw Productions? Anything with the lawsuits? Any new news we need to know about? I I, I wish I could tell you, but uh, I I believe that trail has run cold. Um, uh, one of these days, I've got to hook you up with some other people who were involved with that, so you can start uh, grilling them about it instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do it. I mean, this is an ever, ever never-ending pursuit. It's a great running gag, though. <laughs> It's incredible. Well, man, we were excited that you were at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. There's so much we want to talk about. We know you've been doing interviews and uh, a lot of writing, and you've experienced uh, so much. You said you were in the park some 16 hours at Galaxy's Edge. Is that right? You know, it ended up, uh, at first they said you would only have four hours in the land, and then stormtroopers would sweep you out. And uh, by the fourth day I was in there, they were barely bothering to check your wristband. You could leave and come back if you wanted. You could hang out for hours after. So I, I probably ended up getting almost 20 hours in there, coming close to 20 hours, uh, which I I don't think anyone ever needs to spend 20 hours of their vacation in one land in a theme park. But uh, I, I do what I must to get the info for my readers. That's That's mm-hmm. dedication for you. Well, and that must have allowed you to have, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how many, uh, how many cups of blue milk could you have had oh, in that period of time? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm officially done with drinking blue and or green milk. Um, there are people out there who are fans or at least defenders of it. Uh, I, I will not try to change their minds. There is something for everyone out there. Uh, my mom loves grilled liver with onions. Uh, I'm not going to stop her from eating that, but that doesn't mean that I have to have it, you know. Well, well uh, but I mean, let's face it, that there are a few defenders, but overall, the milk has been a uh, it's, not a positive. It's no, it's no butter beer. They are not going to, you know, they they they're not going to sell a million cups of that in the first month. Um, or if they do, there's going to be uh, nine hundred ninety nine thousand of them in the trash. Uh, I saw so many families where everyone had to get their own cup and you see them all standing around in a circle, all taking their first sip and then making eye contact with each other (laughs) and looking very sad that they'd each spent $8 when they could have just shared one. 
You know, you got to do, it's like anything, you got to do it once, you got to get the selfie, but make sure you split it with a bunch of people. Uh, Don't go all in on yourself because you're never going to make it to the bottom of it. But you know, your vid, your vid clip review of that, when you're standing next to the trash can, you put it in, that's just such a powerful reminder that actions really are stronger than words. I, for some of us, we will never forget you saying, here's my review of blue milk. (laughs) You just dump it right in. That was overwhelmingly powerful, you know, and, you know, may, may bias us in a way that is not even fair. Like I'm trying to have an open mind about blue milk, but you know, all I can think about is trash cans now. So thanks a lot. Uh, I, you know what, if, if Disney goes broke on that solely because of me, uh, sorry, sorry, Mickey, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Bob Iger. If, if your bonus is cut this year, because I, I posted a little Twitter video of me throwing out green milk. Uh, I, I apologize de- deeply, but um, it's like, it's as if they picked uh, a bunch of perfumes uh, out of, out of like a, a shampoo catalog uh, and decided, well, people like their hair smelling like this. Certainly they'd like to drink it. Uh, that's, that's the closest thing I can compare it well, to. And, and I have to tell you, when I first heard about the milk, the concept, I thought, oh, well, that's, that's neat. But the reality of it, and of course, I focus on uh, Orlando and uh, Walt Disney World because we're down there so much more often than we're in Disneyland. And I'm just like, I just don't sit around in the heat of Florida thinking, man, I really wish I had a nice, nice glass of milk. I don't care what it tastes like. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's not quite the same. I'm a frozen butter beer, beer guy, so I like it frozen and cold. And so that's that's. Amen. I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, there probably could have been a good way to do uh, frozen milk, and I do admire the fact that they wanted to make something that was vegan and that you know did not uh, have an issue with people who are dairy free or gluten free or whatever free. Uh, I I think that's great. I just Personally, I just don't react well to the – not even the flavor so much because the flavors individually I don't mind. Uh, it's more the mouthfeel. Uh, it's, it's almost oily the way it kind of coats your throat and just clings to it. Um, there's nothing at all refreshing about it. Uh, there's nothing that makes you want to say, mm, I want another sip. It, it just kind of – uh, yeah, it just kind of gets in there and sticks and, and makes you, makes you want to find some water, <laughs> but, uh, but enough about the green milk because, you know, it's, it's cruel to just bash one thing that isn't perfect. So instead we should talk about Millennium Falcon, right? Yeah. Cause it's perfect, right? That's what we're hearing. Just great uh, things. You know what? Disney actually did us all a great favor. They are teaching us deep lessons about life, about how things are always a little disappointing compared to what you built them up in your head. And that as long as, as hard as we all try to cooperate and get along, eventually we're just going to crash the ship and do damage and people will be hurt. And uh, we'll probably have a smuggler coming after us. Um, Maybe that's just me. Wow. Wonderful. wonderful Great spin. I'm trying. I'm stretching here. You know what? Uh, I I had a a bit of a disagreement uh, with uh, Lentesta on uh, how we should ultimately rank Millennium Falcon uh, in, in regards to other Disneyland rides and other great theme park rides. 
And um, to my mind, the ride portion of Millennium Falcon is about the same or a little bit better than a Star Tours um, or a Back to the Future, which means still really, really good, but not necessarily a huge leap forward. Uh, the interactivity is really interesting, but it's presented in such a way that is kind of frustrating for first-time guests. And there's a certain percentage of people who are never going to want to slap buttons and have to work when they're on a ride. They're always going to be the kind of person who wants to go on a ride for a passive experience and to sit back and be entertained. Um, and, and for them, it probably will never be a great ride. But for me... Uh, an attraction is more than just the ride. And when you take Millennium Falcon as an entire experience from the queue and the animatronics and the pre-show and most importantly, the boarding area, which is kind of like is, is a little uh, dream come true experience that I think a lot of people would happily wait two hours for, even if there wasn't a simulator ride at the end of it. Right. Um, that that alone, you know, kind of boosts it up. And, you know, it's to me, it's not a five star. It's not, a Spider-Man. Uh, it's not a forbidden journey. It's not a, a Pirates of the Caribbean where it's, you know, one of those examples that stands the test of time as, you know, the best of the best. Uh, but it, that also doesn't mean it's awful. It doesn't mean it's terrible. It doesn't mean it's, you know, just slightly better than Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. You know, it it's a really good simulator with a really great wrapper. Um, maybe one of the best wrappers around it ever um and if the ride itself is just pretty good instead of perfect then you know it's not the worst thing in the world mm -hmm. well you know rexandthebeast.com is kind of built on the idea that experience atmosphere the whole picture is what matters in a theme park more than just the attraction itself as important as that is but i was concerned you know the, the day before when mark hamill and all these guys are on there and they're comparing it to star tours i call rex up and i'm like rex they're comparing this to star tours you know it is a person well you know i think a better comparison than star tours would be back to the future they both used uh, a dome with a small intimate vehicle, a limited number of people making it feel like a, a personal experience, but it's still ultimately a screen-based attraction on a dome with you being in a box that shakes around. Um, and the fact that it's all being rendered live behind the scenes, that's really great. If you're a con computer person, if you know how expensive it is to buy one of the new NVIDIA GeForce RTX you know, top of the line 2080 TI cards because all the uh, Bitcoin miners bought them up for, uh, for, for, for trying to make pennies. Um, you know, if you knew how expensive those cards were and imagine that there's basically eight PCs running those things uh, behind every cabin, that's pretty cool behind the scenes. But to the average guest, it just looks like you're playing a really big, really fast video game. Mm -hmm. um and uh you know if, if you get in the right seat especially the pilot seat you know there's nothing quite like pulling the lever and making the jump to hyperspace uh, hyperspace wow hyperspace um there, <laughs> there's nothing quite like that but uh sitting in the back and slapping a bunch of buttons as the engineer because the other people are messing up uh 
you know, and spending half the ride twisting around looking at the side instead of looking at the screen, uh, I can see why some people find that really annoying. Well, this leads into a little bit of the uh, question and things I, I think we wanted to talk to you about, and we certainly want to hear a little more about Galaxy's Edge as we go along, but I, I'd like to transition then into uh, a point that I think this makes is after after Hog, let's go back, let's go back to Hogsmeade 2010 mm-hmm. and Forbidden Journey, and then we we let's let's you know jump forward to Diagon Alley and Gringotts and then jump forward to Pandora and Flight of Passage is it impossible for a major theme park such as a Disney or Universal is it impossible to meet what i believe is now the expectation that the next major land, the next major event has to be a huge jump forward from whatever the best was before. Because that is, I feel like a little bit of the legacy of Hogsmeade mm. is, and is that there was nothing quite like that. Okay, we can all argue about Spider-Man and, and how it relates to Forbidden Journey uh, as to who's what's the better attraction is as far as the actual ride itself uh, with the same you know, type of thing. But as far as the, the, the land, the people, you know, the, the stories we've all heard and seen of people walking in and falling on their knees from seeing Hogsmeade from the movies and from the books and then walking in and getting to go through the castle and getting to do this and seeing technology that has never been used before. Is that what it takes for people not to look at it and say, well, that was a disappointment. I mean, what do you think about this? I think you, you might be right uh, that, you know, we're really in a new golden age of themed entertainment. And what we've done is create a, a generation of fans who are, fans but also very cynical and very critical and uh you know i'm not i i can't exclude myself from that you know my my job is to be critical and and to try to be uh you know hold things to the highest standards but you're right they you know they've definitely raised the bar to a new level um and and then with diagon alley again raised it even higher and uh when Disney came back with Pandora, once you see that kind of level, I mean, we see what the reaction was when Toy Story Land opened, which, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, if someone had opened something like Toy Story Land, we'd be like, wow, that was really nice. Um, And now we're all complaining that it, you know, looks cheap and, you know, could have been better. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the the Disney's and the Universal's at the very top of this game uh, have absolutely you know, raised it to the point where, you know, uh, I, you got to feel bad for anyone who takes on the challenge like Universal is right now of building a brand new theme park from scratch. Because if it isn't the single greatest theme park from top to bottom ever built, then it's going to be a letdown. Uh, you know, and how do you how do you live up to that? Yeah, you know, and there, we have, go ahead, go ahead. Well, brother, I was going to say that, you know, we were there in 2010 for opening day of 
what was then just the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Hogsmeade. And it was unlike anything we had ever seen, four or five hour lines to get in, then four or five hour lines just to ride Forbidden Journey and, you know, helicopters flying around and just the craziest thing you've ever seen. It was a thrill to be there. And so Rex and I and the rest of the world who cares about this stuff, we're saying Star Wars, this is the greatest enterprise in the in the world of all time. The saga is just, there's nothing like it. How are they ever going to control the people? They have got to do something. We keep pounding this. Disney has got to figure out something because they'll never be able to handle the people. Well, they be figured out part. something. Yeah, so, <laughs> they figured it so, out a little too well. Well, here's the, and this is this has to be this has to be frustrating for Disney because Rex and I get back, you know, we're seeing the pictures, your reviews, and the things, the videos. And all of a sudden, we're like, "Oh, oh man, you know, <laughs> there's there, there's not a, there's not there's not this struggle. So what's wrong, right? So the whole time we're saying they've got to do something. They do something, and then we're like, "Well, they screwed it up. There's not enough people there. Is there a balance there that's important? And how did you feel like they did with the implementation? Yeah. Of it? It, it, I mean, it was the person who was really frustrated was my wife, who uh, you know we decided that it didn't make sense since I'm going back again at the end of the month once it's uh, officially open to everyone." Uh, it didn't make sense for her to make two trips. And I, 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 I thought very wrongly that, you know, all, these hordes of hardcore people would all descend upon the place in the first week and that it would be packed to the gills. And it was, you know, the exact opposite. I think it was a combination of factors. Um, one, uh, that they really had a media blitz unlike anything else. I mean, you couldn't turn the the channel or then flip a page in a newspaper without hearing something about star Wars galaxy's edge. And a lot of those stories really emphasized how many guests they expected. So I think that kind of scared people off. Um, I think the blocking out of annual pass holders and cast members really demonstrated what a large percentage of their daily, you know, guest population comes from those groups well, wait, wait, wait. Uh, let me let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you, because yeah. I just want to ask a question about that. You say you know it, it scared people off, all the media attention. There's going to be a zillion people there, but then, well, how does the reservation thing play into that? I mean, could people even come if they didn't have a reservation that were sure, sure, yeah. Well, I I think I think the scared people off, but also got out the word that you know this initial period uh, that if you don't have a booking. Uh, you can't come. Now, there are still plenty of hotel rooms available. Even from what I understand at opening week, uh, you could still book a hotel room. They're not cheap hotel rooms. I mean, you're paying 450 bucks for the Paradise Pier, which should really cost about half that anywhere else in the world. Um, But you could squeeze, you know, if you get six names on that reservation, uh, divide that, you know, 400 bucks six ways it was the you know with wait times thirty minutes or less for the ride and you know um, you know once the they sorted out the queues for the the cantina and and the lightsaber which were pretty rough for the first few days but seemed to be flowing better I think that right now uh, you know if you're willing to pony up for one of those hotel reservations that's probably the best experience you'll ever have in there but um, there's still hotel rooms available um, I understand that they've been contacting people who had the free reservations and who didn't have six whole people on their reservation, letting them add additional people. Um, because I, you know, I, I don't think they've even been hitting the modest capacity limits that they've expected in the land. Uh, just talking to someone who was in there this afternoon and said it, it really, it, it felt quiet. You know, it felt like there was plenty of room. 
which is a great thing. I mean, I think that on one hand you want, you don't want the word getting out that, oh, this place is miserable. It's just packed. You can't do anything. I mean, it's better to have the first guests telling stories about how great it is, whether that'll keep up after June 23rd or whether there'll be anything at all like that at August uh, in August in Disney world, because I think the Disney world's got so many more hotel guests um, and there's so much less to do at Hollywood studios. I think it'll be a much different story there. Um, But, you know, for right now, if, if, if you can get in, it's probably the best time to ever visit galaxy's edge that it will ever be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, And to be honest, I guess from a, you know, from a, a almost selfish standpoint, and I say that without going to be able to be there, unfortunately, but I, from the outside looking in, I don't look at it as a failure. I actually look at it as they did an amazing job is maybe they left a little room on top where they could have added a, more than they did, but better to, you know, better to, to fail on that side than the other for this experience of the initial guests um, but at the end of the day, I'm not sure that's where everybody wants to be. Uh, but, but I, I thought it was awesome to, to watch and to see, it was extremely jealous of you and the people that were able to be out there for it. Now, what, what I will say is probably not as successful as they anticipated was the merchandise. Um, they were still hawking the opening day dated limited, limited pins out on main street like had a, a table set up on main street saying, you know, limited p- pins, you know, while supplies last uh, almost a full week after the opening, wow. uh, they were still giving out the limited commemorative maps. And on the first day they would s- scan your ID and make sure you only got one. And by four days in, they were just handing out handfuls of them. So, um, you know, I, 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 I still think that there are going to be some managers in scheduling who are, uh, you know, sweating bullets uh, when it's, they're crunching the numbers on attendance for this period. Because, um, you know, I've, I've come out before this time of year and I don't remember it feeling quite so empty, uh, even, you know, away from Galaxy's Edge. But I rode everything in both parks easily. Um, I had more fast passes than I knew what to do with. And I, I did things like hopped on to Peter Pan at mid-morning with a 20-minute wait. Mm. Uh, and so, you, you know, that's, that's not typical, uh, well, and, and just to be clear, annual pass holders were blocked out from all yes. of Disneyland, right? Not just like yes. Galaxy's Edge, of course. Yeah, and but, so, and they've and, also, and Disneyland the first is time, a much, uh, much. Yeah. It's a much bigger park and they've also, um, they blocked people out of Disneyland, but they're shut, uh, they're shifting them over to DCA. And I will say uh, my last day there, DCA was notably more crowded uh, than, than Disneyland was, but it was still, you know, one of the most pleasurable experiences outside of galaxy's edge of just being, you know, on to uh, walk onto rides over and over again um, without a wait. Yeah. And, and my understanding, and my, and, and my understanding, I mean, Disneyland is much more an annual pass holders park than even oh, Disney World is, correct? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you know, no, I'd pro- yeah, at least so, 10 times the number of annual pass holders. Right. So, so what do you anticipate? Blocking them out is a huge thing. Yeah. What do you anticipate, Seth, then will happen at Hollywood Studios at the end of August? What, what can we expect to see there? Death, chaos, blood in the streets. <laughs> uh, you know, um, they, you know they've they've done this thing where uh, 
you know, the, the first two days will probably be pretty bloody. And then they've got extra, extra magic hours, very creative name right. there, starting yes. at some ungodly hour of 6 a.m., um, and I had, you know, I had a hard enough time. I tried to keep myself on East Coast time so I could wake up at, at 5 a.m. California time, which is 8 a.m. Orlando time. I don't know how I'm going to wake up, you know, for a 6 a.m. Orlando uh, park entry. Um, but I guess guests will do have to do that. They're going to be drinking Bloody Marys and Uga's Cantina when the sun is still, you know, not risen. Um, well, it, well, well, you know, Seth, we are, uh, you know, our, our HHN trip, we are coming out um, the the week of um, the weekend of September uh, 13th. Um, and so right. we're coming so in. So you're on, just a couple weeks after it opens. So. Right. And, and we and we're doing we're actually coming in on Wednesday and we're doing well, some. Hopping luckily, around. By, I mean, by September 13th, at least Florida schools are back in session. So. Right, should help. But so we're st- we're actually staying at Disney the okay. first night to, and we're going to do. Are the, you going to you know, do it in one day? You're going to do a six a.m. and do Halloween Horror Nights the same you got day. It. No, no, no. Exa- no, no, no. That is right. No, is that, that right? is correct. That That's is correct. Right. We're gonna get I hope up. you get a nap in between. Yes, we we talked about that. We're going to get up. We're going to go into Disney, and then we're then we're switching hotels to wow. um, to the Royal Pacific, and then we're going to go crash at the Royal Pacific until HHN. You, you, you are glu- you are gluttons for punishment. Yeah, that's yeah. so. So it's going to be interesting. To <laughs> you see need to how film yourself at the end of that night, <laughs> stumbling back to your room. You're going to be so the piece of vacation. Overtired. is not really a vacation. <laughs> a vacation. It's like that thing at Tune Lagoon. We need a vacation from our vacation, right? Yeah. But we're doing, we're doing two nights of HHN. So. All right. If, if, if we accidentally pass out the first night, we'll be back the next <laughs> night. So mm. it'll be okay. But I fully expect it to still be obviously insane that week as well, just a couple of weeks after yeah. it opens. And, um, you know, it doesn't help matters um, that uh, they're, they're redoing the fast pass tiers at Hollywood Studios. So apparently, as of the end of August, all of the rides will be tier one. So basically you get to pick one ride a day, you know, do you want Slinky Dog or Rock and Roller Coaster or Tower of Terror? Um, because, you know, you're going to have to pick at least two shows uh, before you can get to pull any more rides. Um, so I, I don't know where all of the crowd, I mean, I'm sure every performance of Beauty and the Beast and Frozen is going to be packed, but I don't know where all the people are going to go while they're waiting for their virtual well, queue reservation. Well, surely, surely, surely I know where they're going to be. I mean, surely they're going to be over at Muppet Vision 3D, buddy. Oh, so, I wish. Oh. I wish. I wish. No, they'll all be eating at Pizza Rizzo. <laughs> uh, Muppet Vision. May, yeah, may, it's, may, long live Muppet we, Vision. I mean, probably, I, I think Disney Galaxy's Edge is really an asset to Disneyland because it really rebalanced – you know, the, the crowds away from, from things like Indiana Jones and, and Space Mountain and really made the whole park a lot more pleasant. Whereas at DHS, I think it's just going to make that park miserable uh, because uh, there's there's no way that the the crowds will be able to, to disperse to the rest of the park. Yeah, There's just nowhere to go. All right. I, I have a really specific I'd love to be question. proven wrong, though. Yes, specific way. 
Yeah, you may not know the answer to this, but I was blown away when I was seeing video. I don't know if you posted it or someone else did, but it was Chewbacca interacting with guests. And he was doing his classic Chewbacca voice, but it was nuanced. He was using it based on the context of the conversation of what was going on. How is that possible? How, who is the so, actor itself somehow controlling that voice and how are they able to nuance it? So yeah. So the costume, it's similar to um, Megatron and Optimus yeah. Prime at, uh, at Universal or, uh, you know, the Kylo Ren character at uh, Star Wars is also the same way. And there are other characters like this. Without giving away any secrets, I believe it is a finger-based control system. Only thing um, I can think. You, you, they basically have kind of uh, a menu, a library of sounds or phrases, and um, by hitting certain combinations of uh, sensors with their in their gloves, um, I'm I'm pretty sure that's the way they work. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's absolutely. Um, but yeah, we we had such a great time. Uh, what I love is there is no designated meet and greet spot where you stand and lined up and pose to take your picture with Chewbacca. Instead, Chewbacca is wandering around the rebel area, and he occasionally climbs up and works uh, to try to fix the X-wing fighter, or you know he'll just sort of wander through the crowds and talk to the guests and meet Ray, and they'll they'll interact. Uh, we had this, we, we stuck around one night and, uh, we had Chewbacca and, and a, a rebel spy, um, had uh, like a dozen of us play a game of telephone where Chewbacca would roar a secret message into one person's ear and then they had to pass it on to the next person. Ah, and ah. Chewbacca was getting very upset that like our ro- roars were not correct. Uh, <laughs> and classic. it was, you know, it was really, I mean, more than... Uh, than the rides or the the green milk or the cantina or any of that. What I really fell in love with was the character interactions um, and just the interaction with the land as a whole using the data pad, uh, which is sort of like, you know, if, if you're an old school Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop role playing geek, like I am um, that, you know, getting into the data pad and the missions and collecting credits and uh, trading items and stuff is it, it's really kind of like a Star Wars dream come true. And uh, I, I probably invested more time than anyone. Like, like I probably played that thing for like 15 hours and I've solved, I've completed every mission that's currently available. Um, I, I think I kind of broke the system because I, I think I now have more credits than any other person on Naboo. All right, sorry, Batu, wrong planet. You can edit that out, right? <laughs> yeah, the Federation. Federation. Uh, right. You're going, back, you're going back to Phantom Menace there, aren't you? Right. No, no. Pen. I I will say that that I appreciated the the only Phantom Menace um, reference that I noticed was that in Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities, high up on a balcony, is what appears to be a uh, golden statue of a decapitated Jar Jar Binks. Um, <laughs> oh, that's not good. Not good. Well, for Star Wars fans, it is. Everybody hates. <laughs> I'm actually, I, I am, I liked Phantom Menace. I thought, um, I think one of these days the prequels are going to take, get a second look and they're not as bad as people think they are. But yes. anyway. Well, Nixon got rehabilitated, so. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Um, what else do we need to ask here, Rex? I, you know, okay. We, Rex and I love this question. We do this with one another all the time in terms of, okay, if they were both in front of you and you could only go to one, right. Just at, for whatever reason, they're, they're, you can go to Galaxy's Edge or you can go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Oof, day, you can only walk into one and experience it for the day. Which one does Seth Kabersky go to? Oh, that's rough because I've spent so much of my life uh, and in the Wizarding World um, that, that uh, you know, right now I kind of want to go back to Galaxy's Edge. Like I'm going back in a few weeks. I'm really looking forward to it. I've got to go over to uh, Harry Potter tomorrow um, to hopefully see if they're running tests on Hagrid's. Um, and I, I guess I'll have a butter beer and it'll wash the taste of the green milk out of my mouth. But, <laughs> but I gotta say, I'm, I'm really excited to be going back to galaxy's edge in a, in a few weeks. Um, I didn't try every single food that's available, so I still got a few to check off my list. Very cool. Well, let me bounce over one other thing back to who you brought up briefly um, when we were talking about the idea of having to constantly one up yourself, the idea of Universal's new uh, new park that is coming. Uh, one of the things I talked to the Beast about was the idea that it's almost like that is what it is going to take to blow a fan away now is an entirely new park because no matter how awesome Pandora uh, Flight of Passage was. For me personally, the Pandora and all of that was was neat, but it feels very small, right? And I understand that that from looking at your reviews and some others, the Galaxy's Edge uh, is actually quite large compared to Harry Potter uh, and, and Pandora, which is great, mm-hmm. but still – it is still a much more contained area. You know, if you're talking about islands of adventure, you know, you're talking about an island or a land or an area. Whereas the new park for Universal is the first time in a long, long time we get a chance to walk in and it's like, okay, you know what? That attraction right there is not really that great. But I've got 15 more to go look at. Hey, you know, this Volcano Bay, the third gate, that, man. Now come on. Now get the third gate out of here. So but um, but you know that's the concept, right? The concept is right now, especially since Rise of the Resistance wasn't up and running, you have one attraction, real mm-hmm. attraction, and if you don't like that, well, you don't like it. You know, you you by definition do not like well, any of a, the attractions in according, Galaxy. 10. According to the guide map that I'm holding in my hand, um, Star Wars Galaxy Edge actually has four attractions: Rise of the Resistance, which happens to open later this year; William Falcon Smuggler's Run, but also Savi's Workshop, Handbuilt Lightsabers, and the Droid Depot are both considered attractions. They just don't mention in the guide map that those are one hundred to two hundred dollar upcharge attractions, yeah. uh, which might be our future. You know, right? May- right. Maybe we are we're back to the era of you know buying the ticket book, uh, except instead of it being a dollar seventy five for a ride, it's uh, you know a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks for that experience. I don't wow. I don't know. Um, I don't think we're we're there yet. Um, but you know they they book out. There's fourteen lightsaber builders every twenty minutes, and every single spot is taken as soon as they're available. Um, so there's a, there, there's definitely a market. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so, I mean, you're looking I, right there. I mean, that's what, that's $9,000 an hour of lightsabers. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. The, the the revenue coming in is very high, but the labor is also really high. There's a lot of employees, a ton of employees swarming all over the land. Um, so uh, I would love to see a spreadsheet of um, what, how, you know, they're making merch money hand over fist, but they've also got uh, some really high expenses. Um, yeah. I, I would love to see a balance sheet. Well, you know, the beast and I are probably on the uh, the other side of uh, the issue than than a lot of the theme park kind of Twitterettes or whatever you want to call them <laughs> that are out there mm, that, you know, mm. on on, um, on this issue, and that we don't sit around really feeling awful a lot of times about the cost of things and this and that. I mean, we can sit back and be like, "Man, that's a lot of money on that," or "That's this," or "This is this," but. A lot of times on these things, we feel like, you know, considering the value that you're getting and what you're getting for these things. Hey, I mean, like the lightsabers, people say, oh, how can you spend 200 bucks on a lightsaber? Well, you can walk into a store or go online and you can easily spend 150 bucks for a lightsaber of the exact same quality. Uh, And then you don't have one the ability to customize it and, and build it from scratch yourself. And two, the experience of doing that inside a themed land with, you know, authentic music and exclusive audio that you can't hear anywhere else. And, and lighting effects, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the value of the experience you're having, I think is absolutely there. Um, I don't, I don't think you can argue that it's a poor value, but I think that, it's increasingly pricing out the audience, whether it's a good value or not, they just can't afford it. Right, right. And we've, mm-hmm. we've talked about that quite a bit too. We don't have to re- rehash it right now with you, yeah. but, but about the whole idea that I do think that the idea of Universal and Disney, especially their sweet spot for what they care about with, the, um, with their customers, if you will, is quite different than what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I don't think they sit around sweating too much the idea that they are losing the lower middle class with some of these things because there are more than enough people that mm-hmm. are willing to pay the higher the higher prices and but that's that's a long big topic hey, I for mean, another it, it, it works I I got a I got a porg puppet on my dresser right now <laughs> I um I I've got I've got a yub nub tiki mug and uh I got all sorts of stuff that I really don't need, but when you get in there, you know it's it's a lot like the first time you walked into the Wizarding World and you didn't know that you needed a wand until you saw a wand, and then you knew you needed a wand. So, um, you know what they're doing is absolutely working. So, what, what's the name of the what? What's the name of the place where you build your own lightsabers? Uh, Savi's lightsaber workshop and it's actually if you it's kind of cute if you walk up and you say i want to build a lightsaber they'll pretend they don't know what you're talking about you have to say you're looking for scrap metal ah nice and so did you did you go through that process did you see Um, i i did not uh have either that time or money to invest um i i have some of my colleagues who went through it and uh fully documented it i feel like i was in there um, one of these days, maybe when it comes here to Orlando, I was very close. Uh, and then I realized that there was absolutely no way for me to get home on a plane safely because I was already at my maximum for carry on. Well, I, from the photos I've seen in the, the videos at the very end, I think they have everybody turn on the lightsabers, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. It looks 
it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, everyone I know who has done it has has found it a really moving experience, and and no one I know has gotten out and said, "Well, that wasn't worth the money." I think Rex has temporarily gone bye bye on us. So right now, I'm here. I'm oh, here. Okay. Somebody he just went here. to build a lightsaber. He went to, yeah, he's he's. I, uh, I was seeing if I could get some scrap metal and just do it right here. You know, right? save two hundred bucks. It's weird because you. When I'm looking at you right now, it looks like you're not with us. I'm so glad Speaking, you are. Maybe you're the fourth. Of scrap metal. Can we just send a message to all of your listeners? Please don't steal sporks. And more importantly, don't support people who steal sporks by buying them on eBay. It's, it's no, just ridiculous. Sad. Just ridiculous. It's just sad. First of all, Disney should know now that they should just be selling sporks because they could make a mint. But but like this is why we can't have nice things. You know, people complain. Oh, it's you know, it's not real as realistic as it was supposed to be. There's a fence around the Millennium Falcon. The droids aren't rolling around. I can't sit on the land speeder. Well, of course you can't because people steal sporks. You know, they will steal <laughs> yeah. anything. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't take it. I went to Elitch Gardens here in Denver last weekend uh, for my birthday with my family. And oh, you have to Elitch tell me Gar- about the meow wolf ride sometime. Well, I, you know what? I'll tell you real quickly about it before we jump off here. If we have just a second, but um, we um, they have this big, beautiful uh, flower. Uh, clock right below the the big Ferris wheel at Elitch Gardens, right as you come down the main drag. And we're walking down there and I look up and they're like six kids. I mean, this is all blocked off, you know, I mean, you know, everything. And there's like six kids that have climbed over the fence and are like playing the game of tag across all of the flowers and the flower bed right in the clock, the big clock. And I, I turn to my wife and I'm like, I really can't take it. I really can't take this. You know, it drives me insane to see, you know, people doing this, you know, kids doing this stuff. Uh, I mean, it's not always kids either, of course. It just, in this case, I don't blame, you know, I don't even totally blame the kids. I was like, where the heck are the parents around here, you know? So, but uh, it, it is, it's, um, it, it is really, really bad to see some of the attitudes and the actions uh, of some of the theme park fans. Um, let me, let me, let me tell you real quick, the Kaleidoscape. Uh, we, we were going to talk about this uh, on a different podcast, but the way uh, our trips are lined up, who knows when that will happen. I was unbelievably disappointed. Oh. Um, it, it, it is, um, it is built in, in, they took where an old ghost blasters, you know, the classic uh, Sally, shooting rides that are out there. Mm-hmm. They took an old ghost blasters and replaced the ghost blasters, but kept the same ride vehicles and kept the shooting concept. And the concept is you ride through and you shoot these lights and the light changes the art as you go through it. Hmm. And it just didn't work. It just hmm. did not work. And, and it was, when we cut off of it again, my wife said to me, she said, well, what were your thoughts about that? And I said, well, I appreciate the attempt at something different, but it just didn't work. And she's like, yeah, it was awful. You know, she, Would it be she's better like, if they took the guns out and it just wasn't interactive? To be honest, I think it would. I think it would be better. But it also is very, very – it looks very, very quickly thrown together. I mean, I'm much mm. looking much more forward to the actual Malwolf that comes here next year as a real installation rather than mm-hmm. this – I was very disappointed. But, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping their uh, Area 15 in uh, Las Vegas turns out well. Um, yeah. Yep. So, uh, well, it, it's a cool concept, and they're a cool group, but this one just didn't work. The attraction mm, just did not that's work. That's a shame. So, um, 
So if we uh, so, covered everything Galaxy's Edge, is there anything else for us to dig into? Yeah, well, here, I've got, I, I got a question you got for you, questions? Seth. Yeah. Did you ever play uh, play Ravensloft? Ravensloft. Uh, if you did D&D, it's a classic uh, module oh, back in okay. the day. Wonder I, I have vague memories. Uh, I just uh, just thought I'd throw that in there as a question. <laughs> okay. uh, not, not one you're going to get on many podcasts. All right. No, I, no, 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 no. I remember my uh, my friends in college just sitting around playing it, uh, uh, including uh, including Keys uh, Beast. He was the dungeon oh, yeah. master I in remember. that game. I remember. And um, so I just was th- I thought I'd throw that one out there for you, Seth. So. Well, this has been fun, Seth. We always appreciate you having having you on the program. This is great. Um, I'll oh, have to especially- go. Uh, as soon as I get to ride Hagrid's, we'll have to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We are looking forward to that. I mean, it's going to be a great – all the joking aside, we're really excited, as we always are, for our uh, HHN trip. But in this case, we're going to have Hagrid's. We're going to do the Disney thing. I'm hoping yeah, – have you heard any kind of dates on the uh, gondolas opening, Seth? Um, I know that they're rushing to get those ready in time for the Star Wars grand opening at the end of August. Um, I, I know they've been testing them. On a regular basis, uh, they move really fast. That's what really impresses me. Uh, I, I didn't realize how fast they were going to move. Um, yeah. so, so we're so, staying at Caribbean Beach just for the, okay. really the sole reason of wanting to be able to jump on it and go straight. I, to, I think you know. there's a good chance, but uh, don't hold the gun to my head. You know, I, I, I can't make any promises. Right. Yeah. So, and have they have they told you anything when you booked? Did they say anything no. specifically about? That? I mean, they've referenced the concept, but it yeah, just but they're says, not going to promise anything this fall. Yeah, yeah, opening this fall, they say. So, I um, think there's a that, chance, but uh, I, I'm I'm not sure. Guys, right. it's Seth well, Pagorski. Seth, what's the, what's the best way for people to read your stuff, get to you? How can they find you? Um. So, uh, online, uh, on Twitter at the UG series and uh, our website, uh, the unofficial guides.com. Um, we've got a blog. Uh, we've also got a YouTube channel uh, and um, we've got uh, a lot of star Wars galaxy's edge content that's going up on there. Yep. We'll have all those links in the description below. So click, check out Seth Kaberski. Uh You will enjoy reading his stuff. Great writer, great communicator and a good friend of, Rex and the Beast. Any chance we're going to see a Halloween Horror Nights, or what are you doing that week? Um, so September thirteenth, uh, that that those couple days. Yeah, uh, yeah. I will. Gonna... I will do my best. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll be. Yeah, we'll be in town from the eleventh uh, through the fourteenth, I believe. So we'll. Uh, as All it right. gets a little closer, we'll see what everybody's schedules are. We'll we'll, we'll find time to meet up for sure. All right. Well, thanks, Seth, again. Until next time, this is The Beast saying, be strong and courageous. RexandTheBeast.com. Join the journey. <laughs>